Welcome to this week's Hotel Analyst podcast, where, as usual, uh, we're going to be exploring three areas uh, of interest around and about the hotel space. Uh, my name is Chris Bowne, the editor at Hotel Analyst, and I'm joined on the podcast by Andrew Sankster, the editorial director of Hotel Analyst. And we're starting by having a look at uh, some of the big hotel brand uh, quarterly results just out the last uh, the third quarter results recently out uh, Hilton Marriott et al and the the message from from all of them really was that uh, they're pretty much back to business largely as it was three years ago if not perhaps a little better um, sure there are some issues with the performance of, of properties in and around China and there also are uh, it's evident that uh, the full level of business custom is yet to completely return but the feeling from the CEOs at Marriott and Hilton was that that is still creeping back um, and of course these are now organizations that have had to been forced to slim down through the pandemic so uh, the actual the profit margins are kind of by and large a little bit better than they were perhaps three years ago um, and they've been enjoying as we've been talking about regularly on this podcast as the rest of the industry has been enjoying is is the strong rebound in travel has meant that they've been able to put their prices up which have been able to pretty much more than cover the fact that demand is not yet exactly at the same level as it was three years ago and of course there are various headwinds to do with increased running and operating costs so um, all felt like it was uh, back to the future really um, and these these guys are, are now back with the old problem of what to do with your profits. Do you invest them in some way in uh, acquisitions and expansion, or do you just um, return them to shareholders buying back shares? And of course, we've already seen uh, Marriott getting their checkbook out and spending $100 million acquiring uh, the Mexican business of City Express as one example of a, a bolt-on acquisition. So it all goes well and uh, what could possibly go wrong well there seems to be very little evidence that any of these guys can discern that suggests that the market is somehow going to soften in any dramatic way but uh, having said that they in the next breath will tell us that the forward booking windows are shorter than they used to be and it's quite hard to tell very far ahead yeah i mean there's underlying strength i think with travel demand at the moment um the headwinds such as they are within that piece is 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 all about supply and in particular how just how rubbish the combination of airlines airports and air traffic control are um that's still an ongoing issue um but outside of that there's ongoing strength in consumer demand and it seems to be the case that they are prepared to make sacrifices elsewhere in their spending habits and maintain spending on travel um, and certainly we've seen that in terms of the results coming out of the global majors and indeed across the hotel space um, the issue I think that is coming up in terms of the headwinds of course if, if deals slow down which they have um, that means that the 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 opportunity to grow networks is going to slow down now you know the the global majors would retort well look we're going to switch into uh, conversions rather than new builds um, and that's true up to a point but even conversions do require a degree of debt finance and it is deal flow that uh, the changes in the market that stimulate uh, um, the opportunity to to sell 
franchises and management contracts. Nonetheless, despite all this, the guidance around net unit growth is still quite robust. Um, um, Marriott's is down slightly at 3%, but Hilton's at 5%. Hyatt's, Hyatt's as usual, right at the top of the, the group at 6.5%. Um, the Europeans are sort of around the, this IHG at around 3% and Accor at 3.5%. And I just want to touch on Accor for a moment, because there is a bit of a puzzle here, was everybody seems to have recovered quite well, in, particularly in terms of share price, mm. um, but not so much Accor. Now, Accor's performing perfectly well but its share price is lagging its peers and it's just peculiar um, and it's not clear why this is the you know why this is happening um, and if you know Morgan mm. Stanley looked at their numbers and they're saying that Accor is trading at 10 times um, economic value over EBITDA against the 11 to 14 times of its um, peer group um, and Accor's share price year to date down 19% against 14% for the aggregate of the peer group so it's not massive underperformance but it's it's significant and you know what is the reason for this now I think everybody at Accor is is pinning their hopes on the the reorganization that's going to kick in at the beginning of the year and we we wrote about this when it was announced um over the summer um and this is where they're splitting it into two between the luxury and lifestyle operation and what might be called the power brands are certainly what they're referring to them internally as the power brands which is the likes of ibis novotel and also in their uh, pullman and mervyn pick etc um so that that split um it is hoped is going to you know be a bit of a catalyst to some uh um uh, positive news on the share price mm. i well, it remains to be seen i think um mm. and it might be a catalyst to some corporate action in that uh, you know they, there might actually be a split uh, a formal split of these two divisions um in particular i would fancy the luxury lifestyle one being taken private probably by qatari money uh, jin jang who remain the biggest single shareholder in accor are presumably not long-term holders and that'll enable their 12.9 percent to get paid off in such a deal and that probably leave the listing with the power brands piece or maybe mm. that delists as well but I, I certainly think that uh, unless there is some recovery in Accor share price we are going to see uh, a good deal of corporate activity mm. and to your point Chris I think with this extra cash that's being thrown off by the global majors um, there's a good chance we will see a bit uh, in terms of brand consolidation and um, we've, we've already seen a bit of that obviously you've, you mentioned the Marriott mm -hmm. deal there's the uh, um, Wyndham acquisition as well. We've seen um, very tie-ups with um, Hyatt and Lindner and stuff like this. I think we're going to see more of that kind of action where maybe they're going to use a little bit of their their balance sheet to um, sort of smooth the way for this kind of stuff. I'm not suggesting they're going to go back into owning real estate, but I certainly think they'd be prepared to use a bit of their balance sheet to, to stimulate action. Um, the big one there, of course, is Hilton, which has resisted it, but uh, um, I don't see any signs that they're likely to be splashing out cash there um, anytime soon. I mean, 
I think there is going to be a tough Q1. The good news, however, is that the comparables on Q1 are going to be okay thanks to the Omicron. Mm -hmm. So um, a year ago, of course, we were just about to go into the this, the, you know, the fortunately the last sort of burst of COVID, as it turned out. Um, at least outside of China, um, um, in, in terms of the, the the lockdown piece, and we had that over just you know just over a year ago, or just under a year ago actually. Um, as we come up to Christmas, it really got going at uh, was it sort of early December really. It started to really become a, a become an issue, and that that legacy of that fright i think will mean that it won't be too bad in terms of comparatives for q1 but then after q2 i think it does start getting we've got the good trading then in q2 of last year of this year um so q2 next year um is going to be a little bit more challenging so as we get into 2023 um it's going to start looking you know we're going to be start understanding just whether all these good news stories that uh, you know the sector seems to be much more resilient than it historically has been that it seems to be able to bounce through uh, um, what is going to be a, a recession for in most economies Economies, I think, um, for at least a, you know a, a few quarters, um, we will see how true that's going to be. But um, I, I'm certainly pretty optimistic. The area of concern I most have is probably actually China, which I think there's going to be uh, significant growth stalling there, um, and I think this is going to damage the net unit growth projections um, of the the global majors that have a major um, exposure to China. So that's the likes of IHG, yeah. the likes of Accor, unfortunately, the likes of Hilton and Marriott to an extent as well. So I think they're, they're going to suffer there. It's just a question of whether they can pick up what they lose in China elsewhere. I'm not sure they will very easily, but because uh, China has been such a vital part of those numbers, um, we'll see. But there's certainly... You know, there's reasons for um, moderate optimism, I think, and certainly I don't think we need to be as pessimistic as uh, many other parts of the economy are for a change. <laughs> now we're going to talk about the the online travel agents and how they've been getting on in their most recent quarter um, and we'll start with a quick uh, look at what's happening at airbnb where uh, they came to, they are now very much a profitable business re delivering consistent profits quarter on quarter thanks in part to having to slim themselves down uh, during the pandemic uh, but they're still concerned they may be needing to demonstrate value and one of the areas which they've finally realized that uh, we get annoyed with as consumers is their uh, the cleaning fee now airbnb's cleaning fee is a bit like uh, american hotels uh, resort fee it's a nasty extra you get lumped with at the end <laughs> as you're finishing your booking uh, and um uh, Ch brian chesky ceo of uh, airbnb is, is is on a warpath to get rid of the extras extras such as the cleaning fee and uh, start to advertise much more of an all-in pricing uh, for, for consumers when they look at uh, different bits of accommodation on the Airbnb platform uh, because uh, as he realizes people are becoming more price sensitive and uh, he didn't say it but I guess I'm going to uh, hotels are also kind of able to uh, perhaps tilt their offer to to capture more of the uh, short-term market um, uh, if you if you're going to stay one night in a, an Airbnb and you're going to get charged a massive 
cleaning fee on top then you probably would tend not to bother because surprise price hotels tend to include their cleaning fee in in, in their their daily rate um now what's happening uh at, at booking is is perhaps something that also needs to concern uh airbnb because in the last year booking reckons they've added uh around three hundred thousand all uh, alternative accommodation listings to their platform so they're gently tilting uh, their platform into a much more broader offering and they're very ambivalent about uh, what type of accommodation they offer you when you pitch up on on booking.com uh, they're quite happy to sit the hotels alongside the uh, alternatives and let you as a consumer take your pick um, they're pushing hard to get now to start to sell more flights to consumers and uh, they're also reckon they're handling about 40% uh, of transactions through their own payment services which helps keep a little bit more uh, of the of the transaction in their pot. Uh, I've done a big deal with uh, Accor which will see uh, the Accor loyalty program uh, adding adding their white label f flight sales capacity uh, alongside uh, handling the hotel bookings and of course uh, Expedia's got a very large uh, hidden engine there which uh, powers a lot of different um, platforms for hotels and and uh, and flights uh, all around the place for other brands um, but again another another these businesses are doing consistently very well and uh, like the hotel groups have bounced back very strongly um, the one that's perhaps we've we've still yet to see quite what's going to happen next is uh, TripAdvisor where there's uh, a new CEO and an incoming new CFO um, uh, because it, he's, he's newly arrived Matt Goldberg still kind of weighing up what what to do next um, the, the the group's got uh, obviously it's got its uh, hotel business it's got a kind of a food and beverage uh, business as well um, and uh, not clear yet whether the uh, much touted TripAdvisor Plus the subscription plan is going to carry on or come back in a slightly different format yeah um leaving aside TripAdvisor I'm you know I, I think they're still working out what yeah. they are and what they do um um they're not quite an OTA yet so there's really the big three of the OTA worlds at least in in outside of China um and that's booking Expedia and Airbnb and they've not really um they've not been having a great recovery um compared to the hotels uh, hotel global majors um they've been struggling a bit and they are actually getting beaten up for once um, in terms of share price so i think there's two things going on there's certainly there's the overall tech meltdown in terms of share price and that's certainly hit them but also um, they failed to hit their own projections. So um, Expedia uh, failed to hit its projections um, and Airbnb failed to hit its numbers in terms of the the, the absolute sales growth. Um, other numbers were quite positive within their results, but uh, I think those this they're not capturing as much of the overall sales as they um, as was expected. Mm -hmm. And I think this is going to, uh, if they don't change this, it's going to be a big problem for them. Mm -hmm. I think part of this is the nature of this recovery. It's so different to previous uh, downturns. Um, and as we're coming out of this, as we've said many times before, um, this is a recovery that's tending to favour suppliers against intermediaries like these. So it's, it's been a bit of a struggle. And, you know, if you look at booking, um, they, although they actually did hit their 
growth numbers. They increased their spending quite markedly and analysts at Bernstein pointed this out and this is going to hit their margin. So although you know, sales are going to be um, okay if they're spending enough with Google, um, their profitability is not going to be mm. so good because it's costing them so much to hit their sales. Now the hope is that uh, they can switch um, and it's, the hoteliers will take a have a wry smile <laughs> at this because it's all about direct booking with um, the OTAs. This is trying to get punters coming straight to their websites or their apps rather than going via Google. Um, so uh, there's been some success with this and booking said its own channels now are at 45% up from 35% in the same quarter Q3 2019. Um, but they are spending um, for the remaining 55%, according to analysts at Bernstein, the spending on performance marketing went up almost 20%. So that, that just shows you how much uh, um, extra they're having to cough up to drive that extra bit of uh, business their way. Now, Booking seems to be you know, pursuing this traditional, as it were, OTA model um, while adding um, extra services in terms of flights etc but of course the problem with flights is they mm. make very very little money yeah, very low margin, aren't they? Yeah. um yeah. yeah yeah um whereas expedia has you know it's had it longer in the flight game um and is actually spinning its uh, business model to be much more of a partner um so whereas they had they've always talked a good game otas about being a partner to hotels um the reality is that expedia is genuinely now trying to become a partner and i think the accord deal you referenced chris was the uh, and the latest mm. in that push and of course they they've been white labeling um vacations by Marriott for some time um so I think we're going to see more and more of that from Expedia they're quite clear on you know where it's going um but what's interesting I think is that uh, Expedia is profitable um but that's not being reflected in terms of its share price so um the Bernstein analysts to quote their numbers again uh, they're saying Expedia makes 40% of bookings EBITDA but it trades at just 16% of the market cap of booking now what's going to happen here is the market cap of Expedia going to grow is the share price of Expedia going to go or is the share price of booking going to come down um, I actually favor the latter I think booking is eventually um, despite you know it, it's enjoying at the moment still people are invested in uh, you know tech companies and this is the leading tech company in the space therefore they are maintaining their presence there but I think I think eventually this is going to catch up with booking and it will see a repricing um, again which will probably be um, welcomed from from um, the hotel company mm. perspective the other thing to watch in this space i think is this uh so-called travel super app which uh, it, a lot of tech people are getting very excited about and speculating on who might be the uh, um, the winner in this race to have the travel super app and throwing its hat into the ring is uber Ooh. so uber is run um by the former ceo of uh, Expedia um, so he knows exactly you know what's under the bonnet in terms of travel distribution so I, I think you, you know you could say Uber are in a, in a good position to exploit this I just don't know whether this notion of uh, um, a super app is all it's cracked up to be we will sh we will see but it, it's certainly one to watch I think um, overall though um, 
it, it, it's it's kind of great news for hotels i think for the first time you know it's otas on the back foot and uh, um the, the global hotel brands are very much on the front foot. Good news all round. And uh, you recently, Andrew, went to uh, a live conference, live and in person again uh, in London, I think, the uh, European Hotel Investment Conference with Deloitte uh, to take the temperature of in person of uh, the investments uh, community uh, looking at hotels. Well, y- you wait years for a face-to-face <laughs> e-hick to come along, and um, there's two of them in the space of one week. Um, so the first one, as you mentioned, uh, Chris, was the Deloitte event, which um, is the European Hospitality Industry Conference. And then there's the Alvarez and Marcel um, e-hick, which is the European, Ho- um, European Hospitality Investment Con- uh, Conference. So the, that I makes, um, carries all the difference between them, um, the six days of difference <laughs> there was in terms of when they were held. Um, not surprisingly, both being in London, one at the Dorchester, the A&M um, taking place there, the former home of Deloitte, um, the Deloitte's now moved to the Biltmore, um, very uh, similar in terms of content and style of content and similar profile of attendees um, invite only both being invite only conferences um, and similarly you as you might anticipate um, you know both were pretty optimistic um, in, in in terms of that outlook there are concerns uh, largely around the debt markets everybody saying look people have put their pens down private equity in particular is you know that that those deals mm-hmm. are just shut um, for the time being there's simply not much going on at all there and unlikely to start again until we've got through the current uh, rate rising cycle now the good news here i think is that the expectation is for it to largely finish um, by easter and uh, we had roger bootle who's a long-standing uh, presenter at these events um, of course he was an advisor to deloitte so it was interesting that A&M hire him to come and speak to their event. Um, but uh, Bootle's Capital Economics uh, says that um, the UK base rate will peak at 5% um, and the European Central Bank's probably around 3% and all of this tightening is going to be over um you know well in well before the end of the first half of next year probably a sort of around easter time um and interestingly capital economics is saying that uh you know once the the uk um, once the bank of england hits that peak five percent or so it's then going to cut it back all the way down to about three percent again um to where we currently are um by early 24 so that's quite an interesting uh uh period we're going to go through there um but certainly it looks like this whole interest rate shock is going to be over within months rather than years um and then i think it's quite clear and everybody's talking about there's going to be lots and lots of opportunities and lots of lots of activity and we do have a lot of money sitting on the sidelines waiting to deploy so i think it's going to be an exciting period and uh, both these events really spoke that's to that. time for our five star and no star awards of the week and five stars uh, I am awarding once again to the resilience of the uh, of the traveler of the traveling consumer we had some uh, some research out uh, just just t- today looking uh, across the European uh, space declaring that um, uh, consumers are 
r remaining resilient and keen to get away and travel um, across Europe. The average is the expectation is that most people will be having a, at least two to two and a half holidays on the average next year um, and uh, resilient spending expectations also from the uh, certainly from the uh, the older generation might be going away less but they'll be spending more whereas the uh, younger generations will be going away less but perhaps on a bit more of a budget but uh, great news that uh, still despite all this sort of worry and uh, media flurry around cost of living rising and so on people are still prepared to get out there and travel yeah, let's hope the air, airlines and airports and air traffic and control yeah. can sort themselves out to enable people to do yeah. that. I certainly, I mean, I, I would anticipate they will have done that certainly by um, the next peak season mm, over absolutely. the summer. Um, fingers crossed. And uh, no stars, Andrew. You you have a particular personal interest in this one. Uh, <laughs> I do, yes. Well, I'm I'm about to jump on a plane, and we're recording this on Friday um, late afternoon, and I'm jumping on a plane on Sunday, just ahead of the start of the World Cup, the Soccer World Cup. Actually, I've got tickets. Um, I'll be sitting with the US supporters, because there's a pal of mine who um, um, used to work on Hotels magazine in the US, and he knows somebody within the US Soccer Federation who's got us tickets. So we're out there for uh, you'll, you'll be able to matches. explain to them um, how it works, yeah. <laughs> yes um but the yeah but the challenge why it's no stars is uh, that the qatari seem to be having a problem with us drinking beer which is uh as a regular listener will note any regular listener to this podcast will know is a particular problem for me um so i'm going to turn up and have six <laughs> days of um of, of a beer desert i'm afraid um so it's it's not looking good unless unless the rulers of qatar relent and uh, allow us to partake as they have promised as as indeed i think budweiser has um uh, something like over 50 million invested i think in selling its wares there so um they're going to be uh, even more disappointed than me i think if there's no and on that available. sober note we'll say goodbye for now <laughs>